Welcome to Between the Lines, an Oaks Church Brooklyn podcast where we go behind the scenes of our current series, The Story of God, alongside our pastors and a few friends. We hope you enjoy. Well, we're back for another round of Between the Lines. I, I like we have a catchy name. It's nice. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes me feel like professional. Yeah. And which, okay, uh, before we jump off and all the things we can talk about today, I do have to ask, this is your first uh, entrance into teaching this series. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious because I have found this is a little bit of inside baseball. <laughs> I have found this really hard mm. to do, meaning that like, you know, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about kind of this, this role we're trying to, to this line we're trying to walk in narrative uh, theology and a, a biblical kind of narrative to, yeah, the, to yeah. the text. But it feels when you're trying to teach this way, I don't feel like I've quite got my groove yet. I'm like, mm. how do I talk about the Bible and tell the story, but not do like the three points in a, in a takeaway? Yeah, <laughs> it has been, a, it's been so interesting. It's, it's for me, as, as I was preparing for this past week, I think I kind of threw my normal preparatory process out the window and I just said, like, if I were just to rewrite this story, like, how would I rewrite it? And I think that's where I kind of started. And it was, it, it's, it, you just realize when you, I think when you, you, you preach or teach long enough, you just realize how hard it is to keep out of the text's way. Like, how much we insert ourselves yes. and, yes. and it's just force of habit. So it was, it was a real exercise, like, in self-discipline. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Grace, I guess, uh, <laughs> as we try to as we try to move in and teach. But yeah, so speaking of that, uh, this week was uh, yeah. humanity in the garden. Humanity in the garden, Genesis two, and we kind of immediately drop in to a completely different creation account. Yes, and I stuck around after the service for Sunday school, which is happening now. So if yes. you want to shout out Aria, shout out to Aria. You know. For those of you who are interested in like learning more and diving in after services at one o'clock, we have Sunday school. Don't worry, it's not just for kids. It is for adults, actually. Kids at heart. <laughs> kids out exactly. Always always learning, always children. But I stuck around and because in the media immediately in Genesis 2, we get dropped into this totally seemingly different creation narrative. A lot of questions came up about that. Sure. I'm um, around like what do we do with Back to back, these different narratives that seem to say it's tell the same story but radically different. Yeah. Do you do you feel like they're like I see a a, a different orientation? Mm-hmm. Uh, like like some of the the base things are the same. Yeah. But it feels like to me like they're trying to do two different things. Like how did you approach? Mm. Yeah. What like what's the difference for you as you see it? Yeah, I think so. When I actually in the teaching, if you want to go back and listen to it, the something I identified in my own just reflection of the text is we get like in Genesis one, we get God transcendent. Mm -hmm. We get hovering over the chaotic waters, Mm -hmm. voice booming out into the void saying, let there be light. And then in Genesis two, we get 
an imminent portrait of the creator mm. who's like hands in the dirt actually the when when it when it when it says he formed man out of the ground that that word for formed is the same hebrew word when we used to describe a potter making making a pot mm-hmm. and so we get like this artisan god who is not afraid to get his hands dirty and messy and for me as i sat with that rather as, as seeing these as competing portraits which some people i think sometimes you can jump to like are these like competing portraits of god i think they're necessarily com- complementary portraits mm. that I think are intentionally put side by side to show us a picture of God. Yes. Kind of this, like these, these two sides of, yeah. of the creator. Uh, <laughs> this is very weird. What this automatically brings up to me is the office. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, like particularly, you know, or like the thing they do with like sitcoms or any type of movie where you like you have the like credits that show kind of like Scranton and like Dunder Mifflin and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you have like the iconic <laughs> outside of you know the full house house and you have yeah. all these pictures like hey this is the world mm-hmm. this is kind of the big picture context of where the story is going to take place and then like the first few frames will be like this shot of like you know Jim at the desk yeah. and and Dwight at the desk. And then it kind of like pulls in a little closer into like, all right, here's the context of these like characters. And then you start the actual story. Yeah. You know, like I feel like that's how I think about Genesis one and two is like, yeah. all right, world location. Uh, and then we pull in and like, here's some of your central rise of the supporting character. Here comes mankind. Yeah. And from here on, it just takes like a, a whole different turn like we're in we're in the show we're in the sitcom yeah and i think even just to name something that came up in the in the sunday school class was there is though depending on the expectations you bring to the text of the scriptures is depends on how well that sits with you Hmm. so there's some people expressing like you know when you have this kind of picture of the text that this is verbatim video camera footage of what happened at the dawn of creation, you do get a little nervous because you do say, but I thought he spoke man into existence and now he's making with his hands. But, and I think just to name for you, like our expectations of scripture will make this, will make making that connection either really difficult or really easy. And I think that's just important just to put out there. Yeah. I think it's also important to, to say that I don't think God is Michael Scott. So yeah, that, that that's actually pretty important. <laughs> He's a better boss than that. Uh, all right, so we've got these two compare this competing, not competing, but complementary, yeah, but differing narratives of creation. Uh, but let's talk about like for you, what's the thing you couldn't? What what got left off the off the, <laughs> yeah. the, the final cut? The cutting room floor. Oh man, Genesis two is such a hard um, passage to teach concisely. Yes. Because you end up leaving so much. And I think a big thing that we we left off was this kind of portrait of woman and Eve. Mm. And it's really, so we have, you know, main character, God. We get introduced to this man. And then in this weird act of semi-lucid dreaming, God mm-hmm. takes a rib from the man and makes woman. Mm-hmm. And much has been made... Yes. About this 
picture in Scripture. And I think it would just maybe be beneficial for us to kind of, since we didn't get to it a lot on Sunday, to kind of, what does it mean for Eve to be born of, of Adam's rib? What, what's going on there? Are, are we supposed to read that literally? All those questions. Yeah. And then also, too, she gets called his, his help um, in some translations. And that brings up a lot for people, yeah. especially living in the social, cultural climate we live in. So I thought maybe we'd just spend some time thinking through that because it is something important we left off. Sure. This is actually, I might need to like call like a, you know, basketball, like ISO, like just clear, yeah, 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 yeah. clear go the side. Uh, uh, but before I go, I, w- I want to hear, cause I want to, I want you to kind of spit. You just brought up something that we should definitely talk more about Aitzer and this kind of w- woman and, and the naming and. Yeah, I would love to, you said it, and then I'm going to jump in. Yeah, so I think there's two things that come up for me. Um, first is, we ha- we have this thing um, where order in our minds dictates priority. Mm-hmm. So we, we have this portrait in Genesis 2, man gets created first and woman after. And I think it's important to note that we have to then read in also the Genesis 1 narrative. Mm-hmm. Because what we're not, I think we don't think what the text is saying, because man was created first, there's now this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we read Genesis 1, let us make man in our image, making man being humanity. Yes, Adam. Adam is speaking to this composite whole of humanity, male and female, right? And there's no priority there. There's yeah. no preferential. Someone's, right, someone's created first and second. So I think that's important to know is like what we shouldn't read there is that God is advocating for a gendered hierarchy. Yeah. Then also, too, the, the word that gets translated as help or uh, uh, around that concept that she was, like, God kind of looks for a partner for Adam. Like, oh, none of these animals will do, so I'll make him someone. Yeah. And there's a sense in which you could read that and say, oh, like, is this, like, the Bible's portrait of what a woman is? Mm-hmm. Does man's help? Spare ribs. <laughs> quite, yeah, quite literally in that portrait of the text, right? And so what we think was important to know, and I think you'll, you'll probably speak to this more, that that word is the word azer. And azer doesn't just speak to someone's help or partnership. It's actually the only other time it's used is used for Yahweh. Yeah. And Yahweh being Israel's saving help. Azer literally means saving help. Yes. That this isn't just Adam's handmaid. No. This is his saving help, his co-equal in ruling God's good creation. I think that's a very different reading yes. than what often kind of gets broad-stroked applied to how the gender should relate to one another. Yes. Okay. I'm going to clear. All right. I'm going to – I'm doing some – I'm actually right now working on some scholarship around this. So – I'll kind of drop it here first and we can workshop it a bit. But here, here's yeah. what I'm going to propose. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think to, and I grew up in a context where Genesis 2 uh, was taken as advocating for kind of a, a God-ordained male hierarchy. Right. Um, and I, I would say, to your point, like that, that is, I think, a, a misreading or understanding of that. What I would propose as an understanding of what happens, mm-hmm. like you roost back into Genesis 1, where you have this moment where, you know, the, the text says that this, that God, Elohim, this, this third gendered God, 
us, let us make them uh, speaking to humanity in our image, male and female. Another way you can read that is masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. Let us make them, them all. And what I would argue is that what's happening here is actually the beginning of a theme that will run clear through scripture about really the full nature of humanity, which is in the masculine, how it represents and is really a uh, an artifact or a, a, a structure that we're using to talk about power, mm. might, uh, force. Mm. Um, the, the word itself is that of like a kind of like a sharp point pointy thing is kind of phallic in, in its in its right. representation uh and then you have the feminine which is speaking to nurture love care and so what i would propose is that what's happening here is that humanity all of humanity has these two these two aspects but what's what's concretized when you get into Genesis 2, is a, is a subtle but profound discourse on how these things, these two poles work together. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, so you have the, the man, you have, you have power and might, yeah. right? If that's considered like this, the, the, the heart of a person, right? Right, right. Um, and then you have what surrounds the heart, which is the ribs. And this is the love and the care. And from that, God takes this rib and makes this woman. And, when, and I think when God, takes, when God takes the rib and makes the woman, this, this, this Aetzer, what you have here is a commentary about power in that power and might, this heart is very fragile. Like, what do we say about, like, men who, like, try to live into their, like, might and have to show their power? We call them fragile men, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the heart is very fragile. And so the only way that it can actually live is if it's surrounded by nurtured mm. love, this kind of support, the sacrifice, the submission yeah. aspect. And yet, love, support, and submission only finds its worth and use if it's protecting its power. Right. What I think this looks like, though— is that in each of us, there are all these things. And so oftentimes mm. we try to, you know, we define like, hey, women are are only loving and nurturing. You know, this is why like people think it's babysitting when I watch my son and not just my role as a parent. Sure. Um, and then we think of men as like, oh, soft or like big and hard and, and this kind of thing. And what I would advocate is that what we see here is that for those for those who are 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 masculine presenting our power our power only finds its good use if it is if it is wrapped and surrounded in nurture love and that that kind of maternal feminine aspect of god mm. and inversely for the feminine, it only finds its proper fullness and worth if it is derived from an internal power, might, and strength. Mm. 
And so what happens now is like this carries forward. So you move from Genesis, right? And, and so what I'm saying is this is integrative language. This is yeah. a hierarchical language. And I think this is evident because look at what look at Adam's song in two. Yeah. Where he says Bone of my bone, bone of my, my flesh. bone, flesh of my flesh. We are the same. Masculine, like the masculine, the feminine is in me, it's in you. Uh, we are the same. But then you get to Genesis 3 yeah. in the fall, spoiler alert for what's coming. <laughs> in the presence of the fall and the in the disordered of of relationships. Now listen to his listen to Adam's lament. The wife that the woman that you gave me, yeah, which points to what one it points to possession and ownership, yeah, and it now starts to point to hierarchy, yeah. I was here, I've been, I was chilling, I was yeah. good with the animals, and then you came and right. you gave me this thing yeah. that tempted me. And so, all of the story moving forward, when we get to the incarnation, like, what do we find in? In Jesus, Jesus demonstrates his power and his might uh, by his ability to calm nature and to uh, overcome death itself. But he does that through his humble submission, through his nurturing care and love. Uh, And even when you move forward then, like to what Paul says in, in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ephesians uh, or Galatians 3 where there's no there's no male or female yeah. in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're getting back into the order where we realize Jesus concretizes that all these things are included in all of us and then now this makes sense to last thing I'll say is like when you move into uh, Ephesians 5 and this kind of idea of like well men you, you know you should you should uh, love your wives and women you should respect uh, your husbands, I would argue that this is the the full encapsulation of this because the role is saying, hey, men, you think you have your power. Here's how your power, here's mm-hmm. what to do with your power. Yeah. Wrap it in love. Yeah. That's, that's what you need. Uh, that's how you live into the fullness, not live out of this fragility. Women, move in power. When you talk about respecting someone, yeah. Respect is like the language yeah. of equals. Right, right, And right. so the call to respect, you can only give respect if you have respect. Right. Right? And so there's a call into to the to the to the feminine, "Hey, you have power." Yeah. That's why you can look at him with respect. So mm. step into your power, wives. This isn't a call to docile kind of servitude. It's actually a call into a power, a call into charisma or the the proclamation. And then a call into kenosis. Mm. For, okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot. I'm there. dribbling. I'm we're sorry. I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like all the way. We're already in the New <laughs> Testament. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm very passionate about these things. And I'm so curious about these things. But no, that's that. That, I think that that was a phenomenal small discourse on 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 how we we can read these texts in in a way that's fruitful to I think the discourse around these topics. I think even to your point to add, I think. It's interesting, too, when, you know, when God uses that language, let us make humanity in our image and likeness. There's always been a, a, a debate about what, the, what, what is the difference between image and likeness. But I've always found it interesting that the image and likeness pairs with then you have male and female. He created them as if to, to, to point out 
that image that both are of the image and likeness. That, yes. that both find their image. Not one has the image and 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 and, and one is the full. No, no, no. To have image and likeness, you actually need both. Yeah, the femininity of God. Right. The masculinity. And for these of to be God. like things again, like we talked about a few weeks ago, maybe not essential characters of God, but things that naturally flow from his own interior ordered life where power and love are actually the same thing because he is his own existence. Yeah. Yeah. These poles. I mean, this is Philippians 2, right? Like Jesus in the power wraps it in humility, puts on the, that rib cage right. of, of that feminine posture. That's what gives, that what testifies to his power. Mm. But he also does this. He takes on this humble submission even to death. Why? So he can step more fully into the power that gives right. him the name above all names. Right. So it's an interplay. And so now you have something that I think speaks n- neither to complementarian and this idea of like hierarchy or to egalitarian, which is says like, oh, there are no inherent differences. Right. But there's like, no, together these things form, this is the, this is what I would say is the chief aim of scripture. There's, or the chief aim of the story of God. There's this unity in diversity. Mm-hmm. We have differences, but they aren't hierarchical and they work together to declare the full image of God. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. Well, that was a lot. We we covered that was a, a lot, lot of bases. No, that was a lot. Sorry if I. Uh... No, no. I think everyone loved it. <laughs> At least I hope so. Cross my fingers. <laughs> but we'll be back next week. And yes, any any. Uh, I always like to to leave Ooh, on some like resources resources or. or um... Yeah, I don't. I mean, you, you're the one who's been doing a lot of study. What what do you got off the top of your <laughs> yeah, head? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well. I'll probably bring it back up maybe next week when we get into the uh, Carol Myers is just mm. my OG. Uh, she's uh, just phenomenal. All of her work around uh, Israelite women, uh, particularly Iron mm. Age women, and, and um, what the archaeology tells us there is is something I would I would point to. Um, let's see. I am. Uh, I have uh, some papers I've written around this. I can probably put up uh, for for people to kind of hear more about yeah. some of this idea of gender. There's a there's a very interesting article. Uh, we can put it in the show notes. The the author evades me at this moment, but it's about it's called uh, Gender Bender God, which I know some people are right now going, what kind of church do I belong to? Like, calm down. Uh, <laughs> read the article. But it just it just kind of elucidates and talks about a little bit of what we're talking about here of, of, and what you're to your point. It's like masculinity and femininity all are found in God, and that's why we are all men and women, both in equal measure made in the image of God. And so it just kind of explores that. But... That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think you gave them a lot already, so I know. I'll hold back. <laughs> I like talking. I like talking so much. Hope you guys like listening. <laughs> See you guys next time. See you next time.